We start this edition of the Counter Trade Podcast only the right way. Give it up for yourselves. That's it. Redskins fans, this one is for you. We have did this. It was only but a couple months ago that I said that Dan Snyder was hearing your thoughts. Uh, Dan Snyder was seeing your tweets. He saw the ticket sales plummeting, and it was only a matter of time before change happened. And you know what? A new era of Redskin football is here, and it really could not have been done without you guys. This is the start of what could be something special. Now, I wanted to wait until after the press conference of Ron Rivera and his introduction to kind of sit down and and talk about this. And, you know, the press conference was exactly what I expected it to be. And it was a lot of what I expected to hear from him having spoken with people in Charlotte um, about who Rivera is, uh, what type of person he is. And and immediately the first thing you know is that he's a grown-up. He's the big boy in the room, and for a long time, the Redskins have needed a big boy, an adult in the room when it came to running their football team and really running the organization uh, as a whole. Um, And listen, I'm not here to cast aspersions on Jay Gruden because, as you guys well know, it's been well documented in this podcast that I kind of, you know, have an affinity for Jay. I think Jay's a really good um, offensive football mind, but I think... What the Redskins needed was someone who was actually not only a an offensive or a defensive-minded individual who's an elite in their craft, but also someone who's going to put their foot down and implement a system and implement a tone of how to go about things. There's too often, or it's been too often, that we've noticed that in D.C. that um, players and, and have gone and wanted to do their own kind of thing. There never seemed to be any type of cohesion. The guys talked about how much... They loved being in the locker room. They loved being a Redskin. But when it boiled down to it, no one actually meshed together on the field. It just was always such a hodgepodge, and then things were leaking out. And it was just so many things that just didn't seem, you know, to mesh or go with the theory that they loved being in D.C., that it was a great culture, that that stupid Bruce Allen line, that the culture's damn good. It just never felt that way. And right away, that's the first thing you notice from Ron Rivera is that he's going to change the culture. He's going to be the adult in the room, and he's going to put and set some standards that these players have to meet. It, we, we, we've talked about this, or, or, or it's been the much ballyhooed conversation about when uh, a couple years ago, Ron benched Cam Newton for not having a, a suit and tie or, or a tie for his suit uh, on a business trip. And at the time, there were many people that were kind of like, well, you know, is it really that big a deal? And um, you see your star player, should you really bench him? Should you really be sitting him at this moment? And you know what the answer to that is? Having seen it uh, and seen how Cam responded and saw how Carolina responded was, yeah, he should have. Because what it does is it sets the standard that no one is above the team. No one is above the standards that are put in place. And... It also implements that there's no superstar on this team. You got to remember, Ron Rivera came from a no frills organization playing no frills position. He was a linebacker for the Chicago Bears. So, why would he allow someone to get out of place when in Chicago that would not have been allowed? And while he's been coaching, that hasn't been allowed. And you know what? That's what is needed here in DC. Someone who's actually going to put their foot down 
and not allow any of these things to kind of slip through the crack. It almost reminds me a little bit of when Marty Schottenheimer was brought in, gosh, well over a decade ago, because Marty had that mindset when he was a foot, the football coach. No one was above it. You were going to play Marty Ball, and that was it. We were going to ground. You were going to play good defense. You were going to run the football, and you were going to do it his way. And if you did it his way, you would win. And if you remember early in that season, there was a lot of pushback from the Redskins. They started off extremely slow, but once they started to buy into the Marty theory, they ran the table at the end of the season, finished eight and eight, and then uh, would have been interesting to see what Schottenheimer would have been able to do coming into his second year before Snyder ended up getting rid of him. Uh, this is what I'm expecting from Ron Rivera. I'm hoping it's going to be take a, you know going to be a quicker turnaround. I think there's a lot of talent here on this team, which we've discussed before, especially on the defensive side. And it's interesting to note that he's bringing in someone who's got as much power and authority as he does in Jack Del Rio to run the defense. It's something that Jay Gruden was afraid to do, right? It seemed like Jay was always afraid to bring in a high-profile defensive coordinator, someone who might usurp his authority or someone who might eventually overtake his job. Ron is confident enough in who he is that he's going to bring in the best possible candidates for each and every coordinator position. Jack Del Rio is a great hire. He's going to implement the defense Ron wants. They're going to play an aggressive style of football, and he's going to maximize the talent that they get or that they have already on the field. That's so vitally important for this football team because we've seen them underachieve under Greg Minuski. We've talked about that, you know, for odds on ends, and we don't need to go down that path again because, you know, Greg is kind of what he is. He's over, He was overmatched and over his head as the defensive coordinator. But now you're bringing in a guy that's going to maximize the amount of talent that you have on the field, a front seven that's already loaded, that's actually going to become even more talented with the selection of Chase Young, and we'll probably get into that a little bit later in the pod, and now you've got yourself something here that I think Ron really liked when he was looking at the game tape uh, of, the, of the Redskins. He said in his presser that he had watched about six games of the Redskins. He had notes on every individual player. There's no doubt that he noticed the amount of talent that he has on the front. The, the sheer um, hustle, balls-to-the-wall mentality that guys like Deron Payne and Jonathan Allen have, that Matt Ioannidis has, those things stand out on tape. Even throughout this tumultuous kind of season, those things were noticeable. We, it was noticeable that through Minuski's system, guys were out of place. But there was talent there to actually be really successful. Now, that doesn't mean that this team is going to go from three wins to ten wins next year. But there's a lot here to like. And moving forward with Rivera as the guy, I think the Redskins are in a much better place than they were several months ago. Now we talked about the culture change that Rivera is going to bring into this system, but there's one other thing that I think is often gotten overlooked as to why I think this hire is so important for this organization. Um, and it's not because it's this new trend of top-down, the head coach being you know the center of um, the organization. It's really because of what this means for Redskins history. Um, I want to take you back. You've, as many of you know, the Redskins were one of the last teams in the NFL to integrate. Um, their ownership uh, way back when was openly racist. And 
was one of the last in the NFL to integrate with African-American and minority football players. The Redskins also were one of the teams, and there's still plenty of teams that haven't done this, but the Redskins had never hired full-time a minority candidate as a head coach. Uh, obviously, Terry Robisky had been an interim head coach in, in one stay, but the Redskins had actually never hired someone of a minority descent to be their head football coach. That's a big deal. The last time I can think of someone actually being a candidate that is a minority for a Redskins coaching job, other than the uh, rumor that uh, Snyder was very much interested in Mike Tomlin, if the Steelers were going to let him go, the last one I could think of off the top of my head and, and uh, digging a little deeper was it was probably Jerry Gray several years ago. That name rings a bell to some of you. Jerry Gray was the defensive back coach uh, for several years in D.C. was uh, in Buffalo for a while. He ended up uh, going back to college, working for the University of Texas, uh, his alma mater, and then he eventually um, uh, retired from football. But Jerry Gray was one of the the last names that I can uh, honestly remember that was really connected to the job. You know, there was some talk about Eric the Enemy. But Ron Rivera is the guy, and Ron Rivera is a minority candidate that is now becoming the first, um, if my research is right, first minority full-time head coach for the Washington Redskins. And in a city known as the Chocolate City, it's a big deal. And I I don't want to make this a race conversation because that's not really what this is about, but it's really one of those things where you're getting or you're bringing in a guy that can connect to its community, a guy who likes to do those kind of things as well. In Charlotte, he was very much, Riverboat Ron was very much involved within the city of Charlotte. And I suspect he will be that kind of individual in Washington where he's going to be out in the community being the face. And you know what? When we had back-to-back coaches who kind of didn't really do much of that when it was Mike Shanahan and Jay Gruden where they kind of separated themselves, not saying that they were bad people and didn't like the city of Washington, but never really fully immersed themselves in the city. I have a feeling, though, Ron's going to be that guy, and it's a great person to have do that. A high-character guy um, who understands what it's like to give back to the community, who wants to be part of the community, in a community that is starving for a winner. And the fact that the guy that they're bringing in is a minority to represent that in my opinion, is a big deal for D.C. We saw how attached the city got to uh, RG3. Uh, an African-American quarterback drafted. What better figurehead to be you know, in this city to lead the Redskins? We see how much uh, fans or the affinity fans have for uh, the Doug Williamses, the uh, the Daryl Green, it's there's just such an affinity for, for, for these players. And then we saw how they flipped on RG3, but that's that's a whole other thing. But I cannot stress, in my opinion, I, how big a deal this is for this organization. It also changes kind of that look and feel of what the Redskins, you know, have, you know, kind of have been and, you know, what they what they what they are. Um, an organization that has been in a mess, has been in flux, and then obviously at a certain point in time, way back when, they were overtly racist and last to integrate into the NFL. This is a history-changing proposition in front of the Redskins on more than just an NFL football front, but on a social front as well. And, and 
again, not trying to make this a race politics conversation because that's not what we're here for. I just think it needs to be pointed out in the history of the Washington Redskins, this is kind of a big deal that Ron Rivera is the new guy and running the show. And finally, we wrap up this edition of the Counter Trade Podcast with one final thought on the NFL draft. Obviously, we're not in the playoffs, so why would we even care too much about the playoffs um, while we can get in our predictions and what we think maybe at the very end of this. Uh, the one thing I wanted to stress upon is the Redskins now with the locked-in number two pick have plenty of options in front of them. Now, if it were me sitting at number two, there are obvious holes within this team. Within this team. There's plenty of cap space that allow the Redskins to do some finagling and some maneuvering. There's also the other thing is that when you're picking at number two uh, in the second round, you're going to probably get first-round graded players there as well. So there's options for Washington and for the Redskins right there um, heading into this draft. What they need to do is they need to understand, all right, Chase Young is, by and away, the best available player for them right there. We are switching to a 4-3 defense as well. Washington needs to go ahead and not overthink this. The talent is there. You bookend him on one side with a guy like Montez Sweat on the other because Montez Sweat's hand needs to be in the dirt. I think it's very clear that when he becomes a full-time pass rusher, the talent and his explosion and his ability to get to the quarterback are more than noticeable. You can do then do a rotational front up front with guys like Allen, Payne, and Ioannidis, not even forgetting Tim Settle and potentially any other guy that you can get in the draft as well. I would kick uh, well, Ryan Anderson out to one outside linebacker spot. You can have Cole Holcomb sit in the middle, who I think is ready. I've talked glowingly about him earlier in this se- uh, early in this season. Uh, I think he probably hit a little bit of a wall here towards the uh, towards the end, but I think you've got your middle linebacker. You're also going to get Reuben Foster back um, if he can make the team. If he finds out that or if he proves that he's to be healthy, you can stick him in the middle. The linebacking court is good to average right now, where you can get away with what you kind of have and maybe address. Um, something early in, early in the draft um, with another piece to add there. But it's not a situation to overthink. I cannot stress that enough. Chase Young is the pick. Unless someone trades up to the number one spot to take him, there's no reason for the Redskins at number two not to draft him there. The only, the absolute only reason to pass on him is if someone calls for the number two pick and is willing to offer their entire organization, if someone is willing to do the full Ricky Williams trade that uh, that New Orleans did years ago, and I mean years ago where they traded every single draft pick they had to trade up to get Ricky Williams, that's the only, only reason you would not draft Chase Young. There's too much talent there for that kid. He adds to a unit that's already needing, um, that's already on the rise, in my opinion. Probably sets them apart from the rest uh, of the, uh, you know, the league competition in that regard. Is especially, I think it makes them the best front in the NFC East. It sets them to a new level. Okay, and then you still can address other areas and needs. And then if you can get Trent Williams to come back. 
If you can get Trent to come back to book left tackle, at least for next year, you sign him to an extension, you lower down the cap rate. If you can get him for maybe a year or two more, and you can get him to come back, now you got yourself something cooking because then you can worry about taking the offensive lineman next year. Okay, you can worry about developing that during the season, during the offseason. You can then worry about not having to use that in the first round because you got a guy. You've got Moses on the right, who we can talk about later on um, in the offseason, whether you think he's you know good enough to still be here or if he's going to improve now that there's a new staff in place or if he was trying to do too much because that people on his right and uh, excuse me, people to his left or or uh, other you know parts of the unit weren't holding up their job. That's that's a conversation for another day. These are all things that you know you can take into account. Maybe you draft his replacement later on down the line um, as well. But the main part of this is that there's no reason to overthink that Chase Young is not the guy. He's the best player available. He's the highest rated player available. And he's overtly disruptive. Don't overthink it. We've got plenty of time before the draft, so there's going to be plenty of time to think about it. But I'm saying it now. Don't overthink it. Take the kid. That's this edition of the Counter Trade Podcast. We hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, follow us on Twitter. You'll see us on the Twitter page there, handle there when you watch it um, at the Real JKJ. Um, other than that, I'll catch you guys next time, and hopefully, we can keep building and riding this momentum. That's been a great week of Redskins football.